Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This show is brought to you in association with Five Stars Promotions. To find out all about Five Stars' latest events, including many featuring ex-Rangers heroes, then please visit them on Twitter, at Five Stars Limited, that's at 5 Numeric 5 Stars LTD, or search for them on Facebook. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that knows only too well what it's like to have a problem with wind. This week on Heart and Hand, Hamilton hammered and Rangers march on in the Scottish Cup. So welcome to Art and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar. I am your host. And joining me this week are a team that could fair be described as beauty and the beast, although I dare say that one of them will take particular exception to that. First up is Mr Ian Hogg. Good evening from the beast. <laughs> Was I that transparent? <laughs> and uh, also joining us is Ms Caroline Morrison. Hello, good evening, David. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I was maybe going along sort of uh, obvious lines there with that joke, Hoggy, but uh, needs must as the devil drives, as they say. Right, let's uh, move on. We've got tons and tons to talk about, guys, tonight, obviously. First up, let's discuss a statement released by Rangers to do with the terrible abuse Alfredo Morelos has been receiving of late. Not only the racist abuse, which we know he has to put up with, unfortunately, but the denigrating of his uh, claims of suffering from racist abuse, which has come from the media, where, and I think a, a pretty shocking demonstration of twisted loyalties and inherent bigotry, the Scottish media have basically told him he's a liar and even if that he does get abuse it's his own fault and he should just live with it culminating in Davy Proven's article in the sun where he said if Alfredo didn't like it he could fuck off home and it has been shocking now Rangers have received criticism not least from us about their lack of coming out and defending the player 
they have suggested that that was due to an ongoing police investigation. Now, the police have charged a Celtic supporter today, believed to be only 12, which is pretty depressing in itself. Um, But they have charged him with racial abuse and the club have issued the following statement. Now that the police have charged an individual with racially abusing Alfredo Morelos at the Old Firm game on the 29th of December, it is necessary to state yet again that racist abuse, indeed abuse of any form, must never be condoned or dismissed. The first thing to be made clear is that even though many others commented on the issue of abuse, racial and sectarian, directed towards Alfredo Morelos, Rangers had a duty of care not to say anything that might compromise a live Police Scotland investigation. What none of us should ever do, however, is dismiss or trivialise abusive behaviour as too many media outlets, journalists and pundits have done in this instance. Perhaps there might be a bout, of, uh, a bout of contrition and one or two may feel a pang of guilt now that the evidence some of them so loudly demanded is there in the form of this charge. If enough of our media had been of a mind to treat the, uh, the issue with the gravity required from the outset, as normally happens with these issues, there would have been none of the dismissive comments which have helped pollute social media, newspapers and broadcast platforms. Social media is, of course, largely lawless, but some of the pieces written in broadcasts around Alfredo Morelos in mainstream media were and remain disgraceful. He has been described as a waster, a cheat, an angry brat, and one columnist pundit actually wrote that if you can't take the vitriol, you're in the wrong city. The implication seems to be the fault lies not with those who choose racism and abuse, but with a young immigrant who chose to come to our country. This is a deeply disturbing attitude, and it was actually expressed in the national newspaper defies belief. When a player is at the centre of an abuse claim, he is usually treated with respect and sensitivity and given support. That is certainly the case in England, but not here, and most certainly not with Alfredo Morelos, who has actually been demonised in many quarters of the media. A number of factually incorrect stories have been written and published about Alfredo recently, causing a great deal of stress and anxiety within his family at a time when his heavily pregnant wife should be calm and relaxed. A river of negative and hurtful attention has been flowing towards the Morelos family without thought or concern for the individuals involved in the way they have been treated is shameful. Especially vulgar is the manner in which claims of abuse, racist and sectarian have been dismissed in some quarters, BBC Scotland in particular, where the overall situation has been mocked amid outrageous claims that Rangers were behind the leaking of certain stories. None of this shows our media and country in a good light. Perhaps now some people will take a long, honest look at themselves and who knows, they might even apologise. But all of this serves only to make Rangers even more committed to our Everyone, Anyone campaign. We will not stop or slow our efforts to make Ibrox a place open and welcoming to all. Finally, Rangers would be more than happy to accommodate the young person involved in this latest incident on one of our courses designed to help people understand why racist and sectarian abuse is unacceptable. Indeed, if any of those journalists, pundits who got it so badly wrong would like to attend, we'd also welcome and help them. Ian, it took a while, but when it arrived, it was worth waiting for. 43 days it's been since uh, Rangers dismantled Celtic at Parkhead. 43 days, David. And you would think it was just the other day with some of the writing in the press and indeed, you know, you've mentioned there Davy Province puff piece in the the, the paper on Sunday, um, which, you're right, basically paraphrasing told them to fuck off and go home. Um, can you imagine if that were a Celtic player, for example? No, because it wouldn't happen. It's that simple. When people say, exactly. can you imagine, or, or a, put a Celtic player, it would never, ever happen. This is solely because it's us and solely because they've spent so long dehumanising Rangers and Rangers fans and Rangers players that their view is that they can act how they like, as boorishly, as biased, and more importantly, as openly hostile and racist as they like because we don't count. And it is their intense 
bigotry, which is coming to the, the service here. The, the the most annoying part for me with these guys is when they try and pose somehow as if they're actually doing this because they care about the subject of racism. The only racism they care about is the stuff they get to direct at people. And what Alfredo Morelos is to put up with is shameful. It certainly is. We've had, as I say, 43 days. We've had Davy Proven's the latest one. Graham Spears calling on the reinstatement of Michael Stewart after Michael Stewart's utter live on air hissy fit on BBC Scotland. I've mentioned Michael Stewart. We've had Lo- Bill Leckie's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Uh, we've had Gordon Waddle in, in the Sunday Mail. We- we've had a whole stretch of them. I'll miss some, of course I will, because there's been that many, David. And it's been either dressed up racism as concern, as you've outlined. It's been out and out racism. It's been... Um, it's been pathetic and it does really, really show the media in this country in an exceptionally bad light. And you're spot on. It shows them in a bad light because they actually don't, I don't think they give a fuck if they're being racist or whatever. It's simply Rangers clouds exactly how these people feel about football and about life. And the past 43 days, and oh god, how could I have how could I miss Chris Sutton and John Hartson and all these kind of reprobates? It's utterly, utterly shameful. They're effectively Rangers mention it in the statement, a young immigrant from another country, indeed another continent, comes to this club and is treated like a criminal when all he's done is suffered racial abuse. It's pathetic. I was one of the ones that was, uh, you know, a bit down in the club because the club hadn't commented yet. But here we are, 43 days on. Fucking hell, the club don't miss. In terms of a PR strategy, it wouldn't have hurt to put a statement out saying we can't comment because of this, because that isn't prejudicial. You're allowed to say we can't comment due to an ongoing police investigation when that is concluded, then, then we'll speak. And that would have ended people saying, well, you're just being silent. So again, that's... Maybe just kind of fairly basic PR. It's a learning point. Yeah, yeah. Um, that the, the they should consider. Caroline, um, I can't recall a situation in British football where a player has uh, complained. And let's face it, Alfredo Morelos wasn't exactly um, out there demanding heads. He was just reflecting on it rather sadly, which I think again is a a pathetic reflection of our country that he suffers from racial abuse. I've never known a situation in the UK where a player has then been told, oh, really? Prove it. That that was a first for me. And the fact that they then got into this hysteria, started egging each other on to see who could go the most over the top, which did culminate in Michael Stewart's on-air meltdown. And, you know... When when people are, are getting stuck into the BBC, you know, people who hate Rangers are getting stuck into the BBC about this, do you think they want to take Michael Stewart off? Do you think for a second that they're doing this because they disagree with what he said? It's because he went so over the top that they are completely open to, to damages because he, he completely made stuff up and lied. But all that apart, it was a feeding frenzy. It is going to continue, let's be honest, to be a feeding frenzy. And the fact of the matter is that that this is a shocking... Um, well, maybe that's the wrong word because, unfortunately, it's becoming sadly expected. But it's a, a reflection, really, 
on what we have to deal with as Rangers supporters and what we have to deal with uh, with our so-called excuse for the media. Yeah, you're, you're spot on. And to be honest, if I could applaud a statement, this would be the very statement I would do that for. Um, we have finally found our backbone when it comes to sticking up for our players. Alfie's one of our own. And where the rest of Scottish media and pundits really let themselves down, it's got to be uh, you know, up to the club to really call that out. And this statement absolutely does that. It gives both battles um, to those people that have stood by, um, in some cases, either by their silence or in some cases actually targeted Morelos, tried to victim shame him um, and tried to discredit, um, you know, what were uh, legitimate, um, you know, calls for, for him being racially abused. It's simply not on. And like you say, unfortunately, we're becoming almost accustomed to it now where it's a Rangers player or someone associated with their club. We've become an easy target. And this type of statement, I hope, is the start of Rangers no longer taking that any longer. Um, we just simply can't have our players be treated this way. And I think we've got some grounds. And I, I wouldn't like for anyone to think that we're hypersensitive to this or, or anything. We've got direct comparisons that we can draw with maybe how other players have been treated in Scotland, Sinclair, for example, or anyone else. Um, and the difference with how stories like that are met in the press and in Scottish football and in politics is just night and day to what we saw with Alfredo Morelos. Give you, uh, David, uh, let me give a wee example. Matt Walters uh, played at Parkhead and at Tynecastle and was the, the track at both Tynecastle and Parkhead were littered with fruit. And indeed, th- those were maybe back in the days in the, the late 80s where um, racism or casual racism was probably more socially acceptable. Well, let's call it for what it is. Hugh Keevans himself laughed and joked about how the fruit shops around Parkhead were all out of bananas. Um, yet, back then, even back then, the Scottish mainstream media, who were certainly not as down in Rangers as they are now, were ashamed. Archie McPherson was ashamed at both games and he called that out at both games. Um, Versus now, 2020. You'd like to think the world's moved on. No, it yet. has, except... <laughs> except <laughs> when it's us. Except when it's us that, now. A young, honestly, don't apply. A young black player comes to this country and we have a Sky Sports pundit telling him to fuck off home. Yep, and that that's what we've got to put up with. Now, while I do applaud that statement, it is a good statement, the people who wrote this uh, and said these things will be welcomed to Ibrox for the game on Saturday. The BBC won't be there, but that's because they choose not to be there. Um, but if they reversed their decision, sent Michael Stewart to cover it, Rangers would be okay with that. Words not backed by action, while enjoyable, uh, they don't amount to much, Caroline. And there is going to have to come a time when Rangers are going to have to be serious about what they do. Uh, statements are great. It'll probably get us off the back of, of certain people at the club for a wee while. But we need action as well as words. Yeah, that's precisely right. I think that's the, the real differentiator. When we start 
um, backing up statements like this with actions against those people um, that that seek out to kind of discredit and, and humiliate Alfredo Morelos, that's when we're going to start to see a real difference. And we've drawn comparisons in the past to even the way Celtic conduct themselves when it comes to uh, maybe um, hearings around, you know, red cards or, or disciplinary matters. And they just go in all guns blazing. And we definitely see that there's a difference in how, um, I guess, the results come out on the back of that. And that's just a small indication of, of how forceful they are uh, with matters like that and in the media. And I think we have sat back too long and tried to take the moral high ground and, um, you know, try not to get involved in that. But I think really now that the time has come where we've got to take the hard line here and just and just back this up with saying, you know, we're not asking for you to toe the party line or or kind of come out with um, statements that kind of aren't accurate. We're just looking for a level playing field and for basic decency. That's it. That's it in a nutshell. Right, let's move on to football then. Uh, I dare say, unfortunately, we'll have to return to this subject at some point, but hope springs eternal. Anyway, Rangers came off a, a, a win um, in midweek against Hibs, uh, a 2-1 victory with a, a superb goal from Yanis Hadji, a, a come-from-behind victory, and went into Saturday's match at Hamilton uh, with a, a bit more confidence, I think, after the uh, rather poor performance at home to Aberdeen. Got off to a good start, took the lead, uh, played well, I thought, for the first 25 minutes, uh, took the lead through a Scott Arfield rebound from a penalty he'd missed, more on penalty heartbreak in a minute. Um, but then Rangers got caught out with a long ball over the top, uh, poorly defended, allowed a really good finish from the young Hamilton player, in all fairness, but still. And then Ham- Hamilton were actually... In the in the driver's seat for the last five minutes of the first half, I thought that uh, the the halftime whistle came at a good time for us. In the second half, Rangers did show their class, though. He's passed them. Terrific goal from Joe Aribo. Great set-up play from Ryan Kent. Uh, Alfredo Morelos got back into scoring form with a header. And then the, the best to last, an absolute thunderbolt from Scott Arfield. A really beautiful goal to make it 4-1. So in the end, Hoggy, it was quite comfortable. But I would I would describe this as a bit of a shit sandwich. The, the, the kind of... The, uh, the the two slices of bread, sort of first 25 and last 25 were great. The period in between maybe not so good. A game of three thirds. Yes, the literal and metaphorical game of three thirds. Um, and we were. We, we started off pretty crisply, pretty brightly, moving the ball about. We're moving Hamilton about as well um, and keeping control of it. We we get the goal through Arfield's rebounded penalty. Um, incidentally... I know it's the the poor young Hamilton defender and all the rest of it, but when you rugby tackle someone who's about to shoot on goal in the penal area and make no attempt to play the ball, um, that's a red card ref. Just saying, uh, Arfield, designated penalty taker, misses it, scores the rebound, very fortunately. Um, probably needs someone else, like Borna Barisic, who can strike the ball really cleanly, uh, to step up. And then... We seemed to ease off. We did that thing. At, we're only one goal up, but we eased off and we let them right back into the game. Hamilton get the goal. It was dreadful defending from us. Utterly dreadful defending as everyone kind of left it to each other. Um, and Hamilton probably should have went in 2-1 ahead. They had, a, I thought, a stonewall penalty denied. Um, I said on the 
the patron post-match, David, and my, my my opinion still hasn't changed. That's that's the one that's gone for us after 172 have gone against us, so only the 171 to go to even it up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we were very, very fortunate. Let's not be uh, <laughs> let's not downplay that. We came out the second half. It took us about 10 to 15 minutes to really get going properly because Hamilton did press us a little bit, but. After about 10 minutes or so, we got the ball, we started playing it, we started making them chase about it again. Must admit, I thought um, Ryan Kent was maybe trying that little bit too hard. They all, he was always getting doubled up on, and he maybe just wasn't coming back inside or bringing it back enough. However, the point that he got a one-on-one with Ryan McGowan, he absolutely skins him for pace, skins him for skill. Plays the ball in, and it's the reverse of the goal, I think, at uh, Easter Road from Juaribo. Instead of coming across his body and into the far corner of the left foot, it comes across his body and it's into the corner with his right foot. Glorious, glorious finish. And from there on in, we weren't really troubled. We end up making it 4-1. Good finish from Morelos after Greg Stewart, who was great when he came on um, and Arfield's finish for his second and Rangers fourth um, he, he maybe couldn't hit a penalty on the day but by Christ that ball stayed hit to make it 4-1 Caroline why can't we hit penalties <laughs> <laughs> do you know it's it's funny because listening to Arfield um, and his interview after the match he was saying you know he's, he's delighted that eventually it went in and he's hoping that he would stay on penalties. I, I don't think on that showing he's he's necessarily going to stay on penalties, but it is a quandary. Um, like you like you say, I, I would not have expected pre-match that our field would be the one that would be picked to take penalties when you've got Morelos on the pitch, Barisic on the pitch, even Tav on the pitch, um, even despite you know what, what's happened previously in the season. You would think that we would be much better at this and it would have been practiced to death. I wonder if it's a little bit like the mentality issue that we we find ourselves in seemingly every January where we lose a bit of um, momentum, perhaps a little bit of confidence and it takes a wee while to build that back up. Um, I'm convinced that we have good penalty takers. It's just a matter of, of, yeah, finding our way again. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The manager sort of referred to the penalty situation, said he wasn't sure if Scott Arfield would stay on them. Um, and he mentioned Tav, who quite clearly is <laughs> saying to the manager, I'm still here, I still want to hit them. Uh, Hadji hits a good penalty, his track record suggests Bonabarisic would be another good shout, but no harm was done. Hoagie, you know, in these games where you haven't been playing well, and it is a bit like rebuilding, there were some poor things against Hibs the first half in particular, Rangers couldn't get anything going. It, it, it's about playing your way back into Formula, isn't it? it? It's not a case of just it clicks and suddenly everyone's playing well again. It is a case of building up the confidence. And, and I actually thought you saw with Arfield's goal the difference because, the, the, the second goal, I mean, because instead of taking a touch, setting himself, the things, you know, the over-careful things you do when, when the confidence and I just walked onto it and hit it. Now we were three one up, there was a couple of minutes left. That you know, the situation is a bit different. But I just thought hopefully that's a sign of confidence returning to the team. Uh, yeah, I think we saw that in the last half hour. You know, you're getting 
from from the poor performances into Hibs, where Christ, I was I thought we'd seen that movie again, but Hadji gets the goal and what a finish it was. And Ibrook's got a massive lift. I the noise went through the roof. We did actually carry it into this game. Then we lost our way a little, and in the second half, we started clicking again. And as I say, moving Hamilton around the pitch, and it's just those incremental improvements because we we have been playing poorly on and off, um, sometimes poorly for a game, um, and that last half hour, I'm going to try and attempt to take a lot of confidence from it I, as I say because of those incremental improvements Joe Aribo was trying to strike the ball at Easter Road and succeeding just intuitively he did the same again there on Saturday it was just an intuitive finish there wasn't the three touches just to make himself comfy Morelos he he, he was taking the defender and Christ anyone that got in his way to win that header and our field just strides onto it, and uh, I actually thought it was it was it's such a difficult finish. It's such a difficult skill, David. Most players would just run up and go right through the ball, straight through the ball with the laces. He didn't. He side foots it from twenty five yards, gets dip and spin, clips it, but the underside of the bar always looks better when it does that. And but it's beaten the keeper soundly. And the confidence to go and do that, for me, I think, just shows that incremental improvement is happening. Kaz, the one of the big changes this week, the, the main thing for me that the manager changed after Aberdeen was instead of going with the, the two nominally holding midfielders and, and Davis and Kamara, uh, he went with one and went with a more attacking lineup, um, giving us the extra attacker. Now, it was clear we lost a little bit of the solidity. I think there were three or four long balls over the top against Hamilton that, that caught us out. Although Glenn Kamara in that role deserves credit for a superb run and a goal-saving tackle after a mistake by Borna. But I think that it, it was an indication from the manager of, right, we, we need to try and, and get a wee bit more onto the front foot. The other one was, was George Edmondson, who came into the side, uh, the manager suggesting that although... Other players have got maybe more defensive now that he, he feels that George Edmonds is actually useful in an attacking sense and that he moves the ball very, very quickly. And I think George Edmondson had an up and down week. Uh, great goal against Hibs, vital goal, got right back into a crucial time. Made a couple of mistakes at the weekend. It's a learning curve. We need to remember, I think, with this guy that he is 21. And potentially, though, he's quick, he can pass, he's a decent defender, he'll get better. We, if we're if we're patient and show a bit of tolerance here, this, this guy could be quite special for us. Doesn't mean he's going to feature every game from now to the end of the season, but he will be useful in certain games, especially I think at Ibrox, where you're going to have a lot of the ball and maybe not need to focus so much on defending. Yeah, and I think you're quite right. And my feeling is certainly that the fans seem to be currently, anyway, um, quite patient when it comes to Edmondson. We appreciate that. He's not going to be, you know, slotting straight into um, that partnership with Goldson straight away without maybe a couple of hiccups. And he is young. He's still learning um, his craft. So with Edmondson, I think his potential and, and what we can get from him in games definitely outweighs perhaps not always keeping a clean sheet and having a few hiccups defensively. Um, Stephen Gerrard called those out over the weekend, just sometimes positionally and things 
uh, it's a little off and and that's to be expected but I think it's it's worth it to develop what is our own player and also try to establish what is a good you know central partnership there Mm -hmm. so yeah definitely and and I agree with you completely that Kamara actually did very well in that kind of Davis role um which you know I wasn't quite expecting if I'm being perfectly honest but not not in his previous form he he had had some pretty ropey games recently but again you know blue shoots of recovery signs of progress um I, I was the same I thought he did well we also began to see moments from Kent and Aribo Hadji continues to impress uh Hoggy I think in Hadji we are all excited about him but it's easy to see why because he he just has those things that you identify in a, a top footballer a potential top footballer that that not everyone is is ever going to be able to achieve and that's movement smoothness of of uh, running ability on either foot want the ball looking very comfortable and tidy and for a guy who is still getting used to scottish football and and it's uh, extra layer of physicality it's been a hell of a good start i think yeah, he's he's naturally talented. It is naturally talented, and and also having worked at it, so he's got that confidence to go with the natural ability. The amount of times that he demands the ball in a really tight space, and then makes space for others is tremendous. I thought he was kind of posted missing the first half against Hibs at Ibrooks, and then and he said it himself. He kind of sat down and kind of went. Right, so that's what Scottish football's about. Dominated the second half against Hibs. Didn't dominate the game on Saturday, per se, but he was very neat, very tidy. And as I say, he's got that ability that makes defenders and other midfielders of of the opposition really um, afraid. And you could see, you know, he was effectively drawing players away from others. And then Rangers just started pinging wee triangles around Hamilton and got them running about. Basically, in the last 10-15 minutes, Hamilton, who I think are a, a decent team under a very, very good and capable manager who trains them hard, Hamilton were blown out their backside in those last 15 minutes. Yeah, and we just need to look back to the week before against Celtic, a pretty similar uh, outcome, but they had 10 men for 70 minutes, so the, the, they're no idiots and they know what they're doing. The conditions, absolutely. The conditions, Caroline, didn't really help. Um, as as anyone in the UK knows, uh, the wind is a touch unpredictable at the moment. Very strong and and gusty. But I I think that some of the quality of our play, some of the moves, I think that on a, a very dry pitch, it's Hamilton's pitch, they have every right not to water it, and the ball is holding up for both teams. But of course, that will affect us more because we've got better players. That's, that's the science of it. That's why they don't do it. But I, I did think that there were some, shall we say, positive moments. Yeah, there were things to be concerned about, but nothing new. And there was more signs of, yeah, they're beginning to get back to to what they were. Now, the question, of course, could still be asked, why does it take six weeks, eight weeks after a break for Rangers to do this? But we can debate that another time. Right now, it's, it really is just, come on, lads, get get it together. We've got too many big games coming up. Yeah, and, and for me, I thought, you know, in a couple of our, our games previous, we just seemed a bit cumbersome, a bit slow and predictable in the build-up. I think the pace at which we're playing and breaking um, is definitely helping as well. Uh, and it's making us less uh, predictable and less, you know, um, easy to kind of um, 
defend know, against. Defend, yeah, exactly. So that's a positive, and I think seeing Kent as well starting to find a little bit more form. I know that he was uh, on and off, but certainly, you know, as we talked about for Aribo's goal, um, he was fantastic, and that's exactly what supporters like to see as well. That's what Kent's brilliant at, just driving at players, not perhaps cutting in quite so early, um, and that's exactly what we like to see. And, and you know, the finish from Aribo was phenomenal you know that's that's exactly what we need when teams are hard to break down like that potentially Ian when you get that front three of Kent Morelos Hadji and they're all playing well and they're all in form potentially on paper anyway you want to put it that is a tasty looking front three because the two players in the number 10 wide whatever you want to call it they can go either way they can go on either foot which obviously is a nightmare to defend against. Alfie rampaging through the middle. Uh, it gets frustrating at times. Um, you know, the first half against Hibs when it was just like, especially coming after the Aberdeen game when it just felt like you were hitting your head off a brick wall repeatedly. But we do need a little bit of patience because if we can get this working and just fine-tune the machine, then there's a shitload of goals in that front three. Massive, massive amount of goals. Especially, I think... Uh, with the likes of Arfield and Ryan Jack, I've just discounted Joe Aribo, I guess. Uh, but you know, two of the three of Aribo, Arfield and Jack, um, playing ahead of Stephen Davis and not playing two defensive midfielders all the time. If you've got that front five with Stephen Davis behind them, you know, kind of orchestrating the play, there's. There's goals from everywhere there. There's creativity from everywhere there. And what I really like about it is players like Hadji are going to attract players to them, which will mean folk aren't doubling up all the time and Ryan Kent and so on, so on. And having players breaking from the midfield like Arfield was on Saturday is exactly what we need. The flip side of that, of course, David, is um, let's not confuse patience in getting that to work with tolerating dropped points because we're simply not in that place. No, we, we, we don't have any room, Caroline. We can't afford to drop any more points. That's one of the reasons why the support, I think, are quite uh, <laughs> quick to express disappointment and anger. But the manager referred to that after the Hibs game where he, he said, well, it's, it's us that put them there by dropping five points since Christmas. So I think there is at least a sense of realism among the squad there. Yeah, and I think he's happy to kind of, on behalf of the team, take a bit of responsibility there. Um, We have eaten right into whatever margin for error we had, and we're putting ourselves under a little bit of pressure. But one thing certainly that the team demonstrated time and time again in the kind of first half of the season, if you like, is that they can perform well under pressure. So... Like Hoggy mentioned, those kind of incremental improvements that we're seeing, if we stay on that trajectory and we manage to find the the best of the form that we hit pre-Christmas, uh, then we've got every chance of, of you know maintaining a level where we won't drop many more points. And to be honest, that's what needs to happen if we've got any title ambitions. Well, we do have title ambitions and we do have cup ambitions. And Ian, uh, we were rewarded for our win with a trip to Tynecastle in the quarterfinals. Of course, Rangers uh, 
two poor performances at Tynecastle this season. I've seen us only take one point, and uh, the performance last month was awful. Rangers outfought by a, a Hearts team whose form either side of that game has been atrocious. In fact, they are deep in relegation trouble. Uh, understandably, some Rangers fans, when the news came out, were going, oh, that's a really, really tough draw. But maybe it's just me and, and the way I view things a slightly different prism, where I'm saying... No, it's not. I mean, yeah, they'll give you a game, you know that, but if Rangers turn up and play properly and do what they're good at and work as hard as Hearts, we should be winning that game with goals to spare. So for me, I, I should, if I was the squad, I'm not looking at this going, oh, tough game, we struggled there. I'm looking at this going, good, a chance to right or wrong. Yeah, do you know, outside of Celtic, I'm looking at the other six, well, actually eight teams, and thinking at Ibrooks or away, we'll take them. On our day, we take them. Of course we do. So any of them are fine. I must admit, it got down to hearts were drawn and there's us, Celtic and St. Johnson left. And I was thinking, oh, oh that um, that perfect storm of Celtic in the Cup, Celtic in the League and Celtic in the last 16 of the Europa League might actually, <laughs> in the space of three weeks, might actually come to fruition. Um, is, is Scotland ready for that? I doubt it. Um, so hearts away, you know, I, I mentioned to a heart-supporting mate of mine, uh, Chrissy Wilson, just last week, that hearts are in danger of becoming the equivalent of Aberdeen to Rangers. They only play well against us. And he disputed it, and then he kind of accepted it. And especially now, he, I think he accepts it. I expect Rangers to go out at Tynecastle, all guns blazing, and right that wrong, because they are... They're they're a poor yet functional team. If you get them on their day and they're all on it and all playing for each other like they did against us, then they've got a chance. If we turn up and play our game, we'll win. It's as simple as that. Caroline, uh, the the squad don't really have any excuse for not knowing what type of game they're going to get there. That's true. They've had plenty of experience and, and, you know, very recently have had experience of, of, of coming up against this side. And like Hoggy mentioned, there's no reason that we can't absolutely um, atone the, the, the previous performance there. We have the better players. And on our day, like you quite rightly said, we should be having a comfortable um, margin of a victory there. That then leads on to the rest of the week too. Difficult fixtures. Well, certainly two fixtures against sides who've caused us problems in the recent past. First up, we go down to rugby pitch. Uh, uh, rugby pitch, well, that shows you what, what comes <laughs> to mind when I think of that place now. To take on a Kilmarnock side who'd been in dreadful form really since uh, sacking their manager, uh, Alessio, in December. Uh, I don't think they won in six games. I don't think they scored in six league matches. But a couple of wins. And then they got a draw in the, the cup uh, up at Pataudry suggest a bit of an upturn in form Ian we know what we're going to face when we go and play Kilmarnock they will work very hard they will be incredibly organised they don't have the goal threat that they maybe carried in, in previous seasons but that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't nick something create one thing and then try very hard to hold on to it and again Rangers will have to go out there especially if conditions are wild and uh, 
as someone in Ayrshire at the moment, I can I can tell you that they are currently. Then again, it's going to require total focus, people doing their jobs and making sure that they win their individual battles. But more importantly, it's going to require quality in that attacking third. Rangers will be playing effectively Steve Clark's Kilmarnock now that uh, Alicia was away. Uh, Alex Dyer, I think, is the manager there now until yep. the end of the season. So Steve Clark's former number two. I expect um, a big, tall, strong team, plenty of physical effort, borderline yellow card, red card tackles, loads of snidiness. Kirk Broadfoot is back there, uh, which incidentally should sum Kilmarnock up for everybody. See, my my cousin's a Kilmarnock fan um, across in Brisbane, uh, David. He's, he's disgusted that Kirk Broadfoot's been allowed back. Effectively, didn't want to be there under Alessio and has been welcomed back with back with open arms now that he's gone. It's um, appalling. They freed, him, they freed him in the summer to let him go and then they had to yep. pay a fee to bring him back. Indeed. Um, Kurt Broadfoot, folks. Uh, so there's that snidiness. And yet there'll, there'll be time-wasting, breaking up the play, all the usual stuff, and a goal threat when they get to the final third because they, they have got players that can score goals. The flip side is, we showed two-thirds of good form on Saturday. We showed the half of decent form against Hibs. We should be going to Rugby Park and taking them apart. Um, but we've struggled there recently. I'm just hoping that's not going to play in the minds, David. No, I'm exactly the same. Uh, I, I do think that psychologically, Caroline, we've made the mistake, I think, at certain grounds. I would argue we maybe did at Tynecastle that we go there and we go, oh, this is going to be a really tough match. And instead of just focusing on go out and do what we're good at, yeah, it'll be a tough match and you have a level of respect, but don't worry yourself into a situation that's going to make it tougher. And I think sometimes that we've been guilty of expecting a match is going to be a grind and lo and behold, it becomes one. Aberdeen, Kilmarnock, a lot in the last couple of seasons. I think that there are times we need to say, we know what they want to do, but that doesn't matter because we're better than them and we're going to play our game. And I really hope Rangers do that on Wednesday night because if they do that and they make it a game of football and do their best to ignore, and we'll need some help from the referee, he said, uh, hopefully. But go out there and actually just impose your style of football on it. Then we won't have too many problems. Yeah, exactly. And we've, we've seen that against the best team in the league, Rangers aside, uh, when we come up against Celtic. We, we made the mistake of giving them too much respect in some of the, the earlier um, fixtures. But I think Steven Gerrard has absolutely seen and realised now that actually when we focus on our game, focus on our game plan and execute it well and maintain our discipline, um, we absolutely have no team to fear within um, you know, the rest of our peers. So the same absolutely goes for your Kilmarnocks and your Aberdeens and, and those teams that, that will try to frustrate us. Uh, if we can do that against you know, Celtic on their day, we can do that against anyone. You know, uh, Livingston as well on, on Saturday, Hallgate, these games are going to be two organised teams, two banks of four, whose first point of of contact is going to be don't concede right work very hard if we get forward brilliant but that's not our priority and 
these games can be frustrating to watch for fans. Unfortunately, we're going to have to get used to it because till the end of the season, with the exception of maybe when you go to the likes of Tynecastle, Easter Road or Parkhead, this is what we're going to get. Yeah, you're going to get teams coming and packing defences and all the rest of it, which is where, um, yes, we need to show patience, but yes, we need our quality players that are going to unlock defences that are going to make chances. Kent, Hadji, Aribo, Arfield, hopefully Ryan Jack when he returns, Stephen Davis in the quarterback role. Um, we need to be fashioning chances. The crowd needs to stay on side, unless it's going horrifically wrong, of course. Um, but the crowd needs to stay on side because when we do, then the likes of Hibs happen and it's it's a rush. Um, I just want to see us go out against Livingston, get the win, hopefully get an early goal. If we get an early goal against these teams, that, that, that's probably the one issue I'd, I'd, I've got against a lot of these guys. We got a goal against St Mirren, David, and St Mirren sat in and played for the 1-0 loss. Yeah. Or Nick won if we can. Um, that that seemed to me a kind of new brand of football. So hopefully Livingston don't do that. Um, and hopefully it becomes quite a comfy one. It, it does get a bit depressing, Caroline, when you realise how much of your life you spend watching um, a big, tall opposition goalkeeper running very, 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 very slowly right across his six-yard box <laughs> at a free kick. Um, I, I think I've lost years of my life to that this season. But can I have a prediction for Wednesday night from you, please? I'm going to go for a 2-0 win over Killy. I think we will keep our clean sheet and I, I think we'll get a couple of goals. Hoggy? Uh, I'm going to go 3-0 for Rangers. I'm, I'm going to join Caroline on two, I think. Um, stuffy, tight, but we will have enough, I think, to eventually. I don't think it will be uh, easy or, or put to bed early, but I think we will have enough about us to go and get the victory. One thing, just before we leave, folks, um, you may be wondering if we're going to talk about the upcoming launch of Craig White's book. And uh, just want to let you know that, no, we're not at all. Um, the guy is a liar, a con man, a cheat, a fool, and he's written a book of fairy tales to try and make a few quid from the Sevcoholics. It will be full of shite, uh, Timmy Wank fodder. That's the whole point of it. They'll lap it up, they'll buy it. It's nothing to do with us. Um, I wouldn't give it the credence. I wouldn't pollute your ears with discussion of it. Fuck them. Right, thank you very much to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles, and thank you to my two guests, the splendid Caroline Morrison. Thank you very much, David. Enjoyed that. And the wonderful Ian Hogg. The beast says cheerio. Good luck to Rangers on Wednesday. Until we speak to you again, have a good one. Take care. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed today's show, why not check out our Patreon site? For as little as the price of a matchday programme a month, you'll get access to loads of Jer's content, including daily updates, tactical analysis, previews and post-match shows, plus an amazing archive covering all things Rangers, including stepping back in time to discuss particular games, managerial reviews, interviews with Ibrox legends, watch-alongs and the odd bit of stuff and nonsense too. 
please head over to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand and join thousands of bears on the best value podcast on the world's most successful club. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 